All information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. You should consider the appropriateness of this information with regards to your individual objectives, financial situation and needs. Welcome to Sharing More Than The Sheets, a podcast to help you and your partner make better financial and lifestyle decisions so that you can both focus on the things that you love. I'm your host, Michael Curry, financial planner, green thumb, husband, and just dad. Today, I wanted to discuss buying a family home, um, purchasing a property, be it your first, be it your second, be it your fifth property, and just the things that should be considered and just the different things that should potentially be avoided. Today, I've got with me Will Torres, uh, Director of Torres Property. Uh, Will, thanks for joining us. Michael, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I know how busy you are, so it's... uh, it's uh, I consider it a um I feel privileged to have you with us. So it's um thank you so much for thanks, your time. Mate. You can you can give me the hundred dollars later. Uh, okay, sweet, it's all good. <laughs> Transferring Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, Will, all first good, of all, mate. if you could sort of um start off just by introducing yourself, um, just explaining who sure. you are, um, and a bit about your practice, your um office. Yeah, sure, absolutely, Michael. Um, as Michael introduced me, Will Torres from and Director, CEO of Torres Property. Uh, we've been running now for over two years. Uh, actually, two years, April this year. Uh, mark the uh, the two year anniversary for us. Uh, previously to that, I was a, a, a sales agent, fully licensed agent for place estate agents, uh, and I was there for about nine years, uh, becoming their number one and one of their number one fee riders uh, for the uh, for the organisation. So, decided to make a bit of a leap of faith and open up my own agency. Uh, created a brand which I I, I felt was uh, would really fall well into the Brisbane market. Um, and then doing that has uh, really sort of catapulted me to, uh, you know, uh, in the last 12 months, we've written $150 million in sales. Uh, we've got now 15 staff and slowly just growing that as we go along. Um, but it really comes down to the culture and the people that we work with. And we've got some amazing clients that we get to work with day in, day out. Okay. So I wanted to start off with buying versus renting. Um, yep. A lot of clients of mine, for example, especially those that have been renting for quite a while, obviously like the idea of having their own house, but then they get a bit worried about you know the, the disadvantages or maybe the unknown disadvantages of yep. uh, buying. Um, so if yep. we could sort of touch on that area first and just to talk yep. about the pros and cons of buying versus renting. Yeah, sure. Good question, Michael. Look, I think um, I'm, I'm a big believer being in sales, obviously, to always encourage um, people to buy rather than rent. Um, if I was in the property management world, it might be a little bit different. Um, but I look, I think that there's a lot of confidence out there in the marketplace at the moment. Uh, there really is a lot of supply, like supply versus demand. There is very little stock around. Uh, interest rates are very extremely low. You know, we're seeing interest rates are around 2%, if not less uh, at the moment. And I'm encouraging a lot of uh, sort of you know, first home buyers to get into this market based on the movement that there's been in the market. We've seen and probably myself in my business, a two to 3% increase in the market over the last few months. I know we're going through this. Uh, it doesn't make sense when we're sort of talking COVID and a pandemic. Uh, things have sort of been moving very, very quickly. So uh, my suggestion is definitely to get into the re- into the buying market than the rental market, uh, just to, to, I guess, get your foot in the door, uh, because we are seeing a massive migration of buyers that are moving in from down south that are starting to pull up the numbers that wee bit higher than what we've seen in the last few, uh, probably in the last probably 12 months. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense because I guess the, 
the advantages of, of renting from my experience is, you know, if something breaks, you just literally call the landlord to come and fix it compared to owning a house where if something was to break, you need to sort of call the plumber yourself or call the electrician yourself. And that's an extra out of pocket cost. But at the same time, as you're explaining, if the property market continues to grow as it has been, I guess it's a bit of short-term pain for long-term gain, um, especially right. if, I guess, you buy in an area that is improving, an area that is going up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that Absolutely. does make a bit of sense. And I guess the same thing applies to council rates and things that somebody that's renting wouldn't normally pay. Um, yes. But at the same time... In saying that, Michael, I mean, you look at it as coming back to my point I made, you know, you've got interest rates now at 2%. You know, I know mortgage yep. brokers, they can get interest rates under 2%. And then you look at the rental market at the moment, and there is a lot of competition even in the rental market. Yes, that sort of pulled back during COVID. Everything did pull back and slow down a wee bit. But we're now starting to see that market to pick up and really start to thrive. Even the rental market, things are being leased within weeks, if not days of going to market. And the same with the with the, with the sales market uh, and you don't want to be sort of caught or left behind uh, having to know that you're, you're paying an extra five or ten percent come next 12 months uh, Brisbane has been in this bubble where we we haven't really seen our growth um, over the last sort of you know actually few years and you know we've every time we've had a really good market the southern markets like Sydney and Melbourne have really taken off and we you know they, their markets have grown by 20 and 30 percent and when the market's bad they, they tend to sort of hit get hit hardest and then we sort of tend to plateau in our market but i think now uh covid's probably been this blessing in disguise that we're starting to see the property market in brisbane really take off um and i think that's helped because there's a lack of stock as i've mentioned before but also there's there's very you know interest rates are very very low so there's definitely confidence out there for the brisbane market yeah and on that note with the interest rate side of things i think again depending on which part of australia you live in but there are many suburbs where with the way interest rates are at the moment that paying alpha mortgage is actually almost the same price, if not sometimes even less than, than renting that area. Um, I guess that needs to come with a bit of caution, knowing that interest rates won't stay low forever. So I guess this is where getting financial advice and having you know a good discussion with your broker does come in handy um, when purchasing a property and looking at how much somebody can afford as well, because That's right. they need to make sure they can afford the payments if and when interest rates do go up, mm. um, which obviously they eventually will. Um, mm. So no, that doesn't make sense. And I think f- you'd probably agree with me on this one. The biggest advantage of having a house compared to renting is having something to make your own, you know, ha- having a legacy to leave for your children um, and the ability to sort of knock down a wall if you really wanted to do it compared to exactly. if you're renting, you yeah. sometimes need and to get permission. And, and even that, Michael, like, I mean, you know, it's it definitely, it's an asset, you know, and it's something that appreciates. Um, and even if it's something like later on, you know, uh, if we, we talk about people that are getting into the market, you know, rent versus buying, you know, first home buyers mm-hmm. or empty nesters that are renting, it's a, it's an, equity that does end up you know it does grow you know and so it's, a, it's an asset that builds up and has equity that you can obviously leverage and use should you want to sort of buy another property or buy a vehicle or go overseas so it does ha- has has its advantages getting into the market uh rather than renting and and paying someone else's home loan yeah that's so true and and, and, for- and again as i said especially if you've got and that's the biggest thing when you've got low interest rates. And I think I'm really honing in on that because I mean, if you look at our, our parents, uh, mum and dads, you know, back in the early nineties, interest rates back then were 18, 19%, you know, so when you're getting something where they're down to under 2%, if you can find a good, you know, a a good broker that can get you that um, you're in a very good position financially. So true. 
It's so true. Well, it's crazy. 18%. Mm. It's um, I guess back then house prices weren't as expensive, but at the same time, it's all relative to income as well, because I guess over the years, inflation has caused the dollar to be not worth as much, but yeah, just, it's crazy. Like if even five years ago, I don't think anybody expected interest rates to be this low, mm. Um, mm. you know, and, and, and on the second part I sort of wanted to touch on now as well is I guess the, the pros and cons between a different type of property um, because, mm-hmm. and again, this does come up a fair bit, especially those living closer to the city mm-hmm. where they consider buying a unit townhouse, buying an actual house, maybe going rural. Um, so if we could together, I guess, touch on the, the pros and cons of, of that as well, because yeah, you know, the a unit is appealing in a way because it's something that's normally c- close to yeah. restaurants. It's, it's very central potentially if it's in the city, but at the same yeah. time, a house does give more freedom. Mm. Look, I think the um, they all have their benefits um, and disadvantages. Um, obviously, there's a lot of there's maintenance or more maintenance uh, with a with a unit versus a house. Um, but then you definitely have better capital growth with a house than you do a unit. Um, and we've found that in obviously in this city. But I think if you look across the board, it just depends on what type of property you're trying to buy. Like if it's an apartment, like a penthouse or something unique, like river views, city views uh, to the Sydney Harbour, you know, that's always going to be something that's quite unique and it's going to really sort of um, have a lot of value uh, for the long term. Uh, but something like a standard two bedroom, one bathroom unit where, you know, you, there's, there's, you know, thousands that you can pick or pick from um, and I guess what we were saying before with that first question I mentioned about supply versus demand there is very little stock around at the moment in the housing market uh, the unit market's starting to move because there's definitely more first home buyers that are not going to a UK, you know not going to the UK to, to spend their hard-earned money or live there for six or 12 months that they're now putting money into into property because of COVID um, but I do feel that you know there's my advice I think if you're buying a property as an investment uh, for like let's say purposes like a unit you're going to get a very good cap a, a very good return capital growth as such probably won't be there um, over the, at least the next 10 years but it's definitely something that you can put money into that you might see a, a bit of a bit of a return cap from a capital perspective but maybe not as not as much as you do with a house um, and my I mean I always recommend with a house because you obviously have higher return and a better capital growth. Yeah. And just to explain those terms as well to those that don't understand. So um, when we talk capital growth, we're talking um, the value of the property increasing over time. Absolutely. Um, and when we talk about returns and yield, it's the rent that you're receiving for a property. It's, it's that income. That's correct. Um, yes. Yeah. So, and you have to you, take into consideration, sorry, Michael, to interject, but no, you know, you, you've got sort of like a unit you've got, you've got to take into consideration. You've got body corporate, uh, you've got, uh, you know, your, your council fees and all of that to sort of take into consideration as well. You might have management fees on top of the body corporate. Yes. These are the things that you need to take into consideration. And some body corporates will average anywhere between three and 4,000 a year and some can get up to about 20,000 a year versus a house where you really only have your Brisbane City Council rates to, to sort of maintain. Yes, it is a higher price uh, that you are paying for a house, but uh, as you said, short-term pain, long-term gain. Yeah, that's so true. And, and that is a point that a lot of people miss when they look, the, the idea of a unit seems appealing because mm. yes, it's something small, low maintenance, mm. especially for mm. a, a young couple or somebody that's even single. 
but they fail to sort of, until they've done proper research, they fail to realize that there is that body corporate element on that they need to pay. And yeah, you're, you're right. Three to 4,000 mm. is, is an average. Like I've seen some units, some people paying six, $7,000 mm. um, in body corporate per year, mm. um, you know, th- that live in a unit complex. So um, yeah, that, that is a very good point because yeah, in a way that's money they'll never get back. That's right. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to rural, um, I don't know if you have much experience in rural yourself, mm. but you know, personally I'd love to live on a farm, um, mm. but and a lot of people would as well. Um, they like land, but at the same time, there are some disadvantages to rural. Like, for example, in my experience, talking to friends that have rural properties, a big part is the maintenance. Um, mm. You know, like I've got a friend of mine, he tells me he spends his weekends mowing the lawn, mm. um, literally just because of the, the amount of grass that he has. And it, if yeah. he leaves it, then snakes start coming through. So Correct. Yeah. Um, are there any other disadvantages that you could? Man, not really. I think, look, if you're going rural, you, you want to sort of be in a position that this is a lifestyle change for you. That's, you yeah. know, you're, you're going out there. I mean, look, if you go to places like a, more like acreage, um, you know, uh, we've got properties here in Brisbane like Chandler and uh, Gumdale. They're about, it's about, about 13, 14 kilometres from the Brisbane CBD. Uh, and, you know, you've got acreage properties there, one and two acres. And I think the only disadvantage, it's, it's such a coincidence that we're having this conversation because I did I, I did go see someone on an acreage property yesterday and yeah. they told me that it takes them about nearly close to two hours to mow the lawn. So, you know, two hours uh, every fortnight is just uh, time that uh, personally I, I that's not my lifestyle just yet. So, yeah, you know, it, it really just comes down to lifestyle uh, if you're going into sort of, um, you know, more a secluded area. But yeah. I don't really see too many disadvantages except if you it's taking up a lot of your time. But I do find that people that to sort of do make that change to go a little bit out of, uh, out of the city of Brisbane, uh, they're doing it because of lifestyle and obviously they've got sort of benefits in regards to either maybe managing cattle, you know, or, you yes. know, obviously crops or whatever it may be. So it's been, it's been more of a lifestyle change than actually just going to buy property as an investment. If that yes. makes sense. Yes. And the maintenance, I'm guessing you like, you know, cutting trees down, back burning. Yeah, no, yeah. Well, I mean, and you're doing a lot there because you, you either, you know, as I said, you either, you know, you're a farmer or you're doing crops or you're doing something like along the lines of that, or, you know, um, you know, or, or cattle. Yep. That makes yeah. sense. And um, to those looking to purchase a house, especially those purchasing a house for the first time, if we could sort of go through the things to look for when buying yeah. a house. Um, I think, you know, it's funny. Don't try, and, try and not get caught up with the emotion. Um, that's probably the best advice I yes. can give to, uh, to any of the buyers that are listening to this. Um, emotion uh, is what will make you pay more for a property and overcommit. Uh, for a home. So I definitely would say when you're looking for a property, number one, you know, ask the agent if there's a building pest report that's been done on the property. Um, you know, that will save you five, $600 here and there. Um, if they don't have that, obviously as a duty of care, uh, the agent should recommend that you get one done. Can you explain um, what that is as well for those that have never yeah, so before? A, a building and pest report. Uh, it's a pre-building and pest report that you get done prior to settling. So you have a condition when you make an offer on a property, you make it subject to your finance and building and pest. And it just, you do your due diligence to make sure that the property is not going to fall over and it's not riddled by termites. There's no structural issues with the home. So you know that you're not buying yourself a lemon that later on that you're going to be spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to fix. 
Um, so that's one thing that I would definitely be looking out for. Number two, I think that having a checklist in, in place when you go out to look for a property is important. Looking at the number of sitting down with your partner and looking at the number of bedrooms, bathrooms, location, schools, uh, amenities close by. That's something that's important to making sure that's ticking all the boxes because sometimes buyers walk in and as, as you know, we, as human, human nature is we follow the crowd. Uh, if someone wants it, everyone else wants it. Yep. So I think that that's really important to know what you're looking for and making sure it's ticking all those boxes. And that will very much set you apart in regards to thinking logically, if it works for you and the family and your lifestyle at the time, uh, and not getting caught up in the rush of missing out and being emotional about it and finding out later on that it's not the right property for you. Yes, yes. Because, uh, and that is important because a lot of people, many fail to, to realize that moving houses and buying a house, there are costs involved in moving. Like you can't literally just buy a house. Let's say you bought a property and a year later you worked out, oh no, we need extra bedrooms now because we're having more children. Or I don't like, or for example, secondly, I don't like the half an hour drive to work anymore. I'm just over it. And even if you sold the house for exactly the same price you bought it for, there's still the stamp duty that was incurred in buying a property. There's still commission. Uh, the moving costs, the time, the, you know, the, yeah, the commission to the agent selling the property. So there are costs yeah. involved there. So like the, the changeover, Michael can, can stem any stem anywhere between, you know, you're talking at, you know, 25,000 to $50,000. Yep. Uh, I'm talking about buying and selling if you don't make the right move, yes. um, as you said, and to reiterate what you sort of mentioned about, you know, the moving costs, the stamp duty and the commission, all of that changeover. It, it, that's why, you know, when you buy a property, generally we find on average people are moving every seven to eight years. They're not doing it every 12 months or six months to move. Like maybe a vehicle gets swapped over every couple of years. Uh, if you're on the lease or, you know, if you're, if you're getting rid of the vehicle after a, a number of years, um, you know, that's why you don't see that happen quite often in the property market or the property sector. Yes. Yes. So I guess the, the main message there is do your research, look at the area and the type of house and think, okay, is this something that we're going to be happy in, in five years time? Correct. Yeah. And, and, and definitely, as I said, have that checklist and know and sit down with your partner, what you are specifically looking for, for your lifestyle and what, you, what are your real wants and needs in a property. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a free 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au. And on that note as well, when it comes to not letting emotion get in the way, that's, that's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because especially if you're buying a house for the first time. Um, look, yeah, look, I think it's if, if, if it ticks all the boxes, and that's why I'm saying about this checklist, it goes hand in hand. If it's yeah. ticking all the boxes and you've got 90% of those boxes ticked, emotion's going to come into play. But you know what, Michael, if you're buying this property and you're going to hold it for the next five to 10 years as your family home, it's irrelevant if you pay an extra 5% more than the next person or, you know, I know you, no one wants to pay more than the next person, but if you're holding it for five to 10 years, if the market goes up or the market goes down, you're not selling it next year. You know, you're going to hold it for the next 10 years and then on sell that or keep it as an investment, whatever it may be. So, you know, I, that's why I'm, I'm encouraging a lot of my buyers and a lot of my sellers as well that are in, in, the same, in this position and saying to them, guys, if you love the property and it ticks all the boxes, buy it. And if COVID comes around, if we have a second wave of COVID and you can service the mortgage, the market drops 10, 15%. Are you buying this property to sell it next year and make a profit? Yep. No, I'm not. Well, how long are you planning to hold it for? 
seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Yeah, at least 10 because my, my kids are going to school around the corner. Well, you know what? If the market drops 20% in 10 years time, we're going to see that market pick up again. Yep. If we refer back to the GFC times, and this is old selling property back then. You look at the prices back then when the market did fall 10 and 20% versus to the prices where we are 10 years later, 11 years later, where we are now. They're not the same prices that we were getting 10 years ago. Those, if not, if anything, those that market has increased by you know 100 to 200,000 for most properties. Yes, yes, and and on that note as well, when I guess the worst thing someone can do is try to time the market. Um, oh, I guess mate. you can you could track mate. it and sort of make an informed decision, but at the same time, nobody has a crystal ball. Um, and I mean, no, no one knows the bottom or the top of the market, mate. Yep. No one knows. It's just I always say the the best time to buy is when you're ready. Yep, yep. that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, um, and and the second part about it as well is when someone's per- looking at houses and they're going through open homes. I guess sometimes you'll walk into a house where everything is perfect. The grass has literally been cut with nail clippers. Um, everything is perfect. The wallpaper is amazing. The paint's amazing. And then you go to a second property where it hasn't been, I guess, cosmetically fixed up or jazzed up as nicely. Mm. Um, and sometimes people do get scared of buying that second property and, for example, spending some money on some painting or some light renovations. You know, what are your thoughts on that side of things? Because I guess some people will say that renovations aren't for everyone, but at the same time, I think it's important to make sure someone doesn't get sucked into the cosmetics of, you know, things that they can probably do themselves. Because I'm sure you've you've got some situations where houses that just look exactly as they did 30 years ago are purchased, but after just some very light renovations look just as good as the other houses. Yeah, absolutely, mate. There's so many examples of that. I mean, I would say first, if you're buying a property and you get into it, just start doing cosmetic things like paint. Um, There's so many ways, you know, flooring, light fittings, curtains and blinds that makes such a massive improvement. You know, you can invest a few thousand dollars and, and really bring it up, bring it up to today rather than, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars and then having to sell and overcapitalizing. Um, so my advice in, in that, Michael, I would definitely say, you know, first keep it cosmetic, you know, maybe have an agent come out and, and discuss, hey, should we do this? Should we do that? Uh, you know, you don't need an interior designer, depending on what you're planning on doing. Obviously, yep. if it's got holding the property and you're going to live in it and you want to update the kitchens and the bathrooms, then please, you know, be my guest, go ahead and do it. You know, if it's something because you will appreciate it. And you won't be overcapitalizing. See, a lot of people go out and they renovate kitchens and bathrooms and then they whack the property on the market and someone else might not appreciate or like the renovation or the color scheme that's being used in the property. That's true. That's true. Uh, when, when I first got married, our, we renovated our kitchen and mm. our splashback was bright, bright red. Mm. Now, at the time, we thought it was the coolest thing in the world, but two, three years later, different story. You know, yeah. After we had a few <laughs> hundred people walk through the house, friends and family. Yeah. Yeah, definitely wasn't such a flash idea now that you look Yeah, back and I've it. had that. Like, I mean, it's personal, it's personal preference. And if you're if you want a yep. red splashback, a pink, a pink splashback, whatever it may be. Yep. It's doing it because you you like it, you enjoy it, you're living in the property and you appreciate it. Yes. But if it's something that you're doing it to sell and make a, you know, make an make an investment and, and sell it off and it's nothing that's you know, it's not going to be an emotional 
attachment to you, then I would definitely recommend that you go down speaking to an expert or speaking to someone that sees properties day in, day out with a lot of agents, you know, and go to an experienced agent that is in your field that knows and has seen hundreds, if not thousands of properties uh, in in their career because they know what people, what buyers want and what they don't want Um, because that's what we do. You know, we gather information and we deliver that to the seller from the market being the buyers uh, where they say, I don't like that red splashback or I don't like the, 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 you know, the layout or this or that. And it gives you an idea of what, the majority of people do like, but again, please don't, you know, don't take it out of content. If you're, if you like a red splashback uh, in your kitchen, then, you know, go ahead and do it, you know, because that's something that you'll appreciate and enjoy. Yeah, that's it. And on that note, I guess it does pay in that case to talk to a few different agents and to get Mm. their opinions on these things, because like what you said, you've got the experience, you've seen what's selling and what's not selling. Um, I've known you for a while and I trust you and I do come to you. Um, for advice. Um, But if somebody doesn't have somebody that they know, for example, I guess it does pay to talk to a few different agents, suss out who's probably the one that is looking after your interest and is being upfront. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and to ask and, the questions. And it's, and it's very simple. I mean, you don't have to pay someone. There's so many there's sites out there like, uh, you know, this is a bit of a plug to some of the sites out there, but local agent finder, yep. open agent, you know, there's sites that you can actually submit your details and they will put you in contact with the three best agents and they get paid by the, if you, if you list your property with the agent and they sell it, they get paid a percentage of the commission. Uh, from that age. So, um, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's doesn't cost anything or even if you want to do your own due diligence, then, you know, jump on uh, realestate.com domain and just look at the top three agents in your area and call yes. the top three agents out to have a chat to you. Yeah, that's it. And, and now um, moving on to negotiation, like buying a house. So this is, yeah. um, again, some people don't know how to negotiate if their life depended on it. Um, some people, you know, they like to drive a bargain like they're in yeah. Bali buying a, you know, oh, yes. fake, fake Gucci belt yeah. from someone at the markets. Um, yeah. So I guess the main, from experience, the main thing I could say from my side of things is don't be afraid to walk away from a deal if it isn't right. So, you know, if you don't feel comfortable paying more than X amount, don't do it and don't get sucked in, I guess. 100%. And, and in your experience, how much should someone negotiate? Because you've got, you know, some, I know the main rule is to negotiate as hard as you can and don't overpay. You don't spend more than you initially wanted to. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I guess, where's that line between negotiating and being smart and yeah. losing it's, the property that you and, actually want? And this is the thing, mate, like, this is the thing, like, that's why you need to come like have that checklist done, you know, coming back and referring to that checklist. You've got a certain number you want to work with. If that's, you know, 800,000, let's pick a number, 800,000, you see a property that's on the market and it's listed on the market for say 820,000, but you're, you're, but you know, you want to really just pay 800,000. My, my tip would be maybe come in at twenty or 30000 under that 800000 So it gives you a bigger bit of a margin to maybe see if you can snap up, you know, if you can actually secure that property just under 800000 And if not, if it's ticking those 90% of the boxes and you, and you really want the property, you can go to that 800000 mark. But should it go for anything beyond that, you can stick to your guns because that's what you've got in writing. And that's why that checklist and having everything in writing is so important because you've got something to work with because you have to take into consideration extra expenses that you need to might put on the home or other expenses that that obviously that you will incur 
when you when you purchase, uh, you know, i.e., uh, you know, stamp duty. Yep, that's so true. Good advice. And and I guess the biggest thing is to this, the, you know, the fact that the biggest thing to remember is that the search may not happen overnight. You, someone might be looking yeah. for a property for months. It might be weeks. Oh, it mate, might literally sometimes be it's days. Year. It might be sometimes it's year. I've met people that have been looking for two, three years, Michael. Yep. So yep. you know, there's. Uh, so in my advice to that would be, you know, as I said, it's it's going out there, understanding the market, getting a feel, uh, having a look at properties, and seeing if it's ticking the boxes. So, you know, um, for myself, when I, when we bought our home, uh, you know, my wife and I, I walked in 10 minutes, just had the right feeling, uh, and, um, and didn't go back to the property again, bought it. You know, I wasn't at the auction. I was in Melbourne when the auction, this was going back a few years ago. This wasn't during COVID and, uh, the auction occurred, uh, you know, uh, went on and, uh, and I ended up buying the property at auctions. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, I, I just knew walking into so many homes, I just had a feeling that this property was the right one to buy. Yep. So, and you get that feeling once you start looking at what you want, but you know, you need to go see a good 20, 30 properties uh, to know what you're looking for. Yeah. And one last point, um, you just brought up a good, a very good topic. Um, auctions. I've never bought a house at an auction before in my life. So I literally don't even know the process around it. But if, if you can, and I know, I know for a fact that some people that are looking at buying houses just avoid auctions because they just, mm. A, they don't really know how they work. And secondly, um, they don't know if they need to have finance in place. Third of all, they just assume that if something's going to auction, it's just, just gets, it's just going to sell for too much anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, if you can sort of just explain the process of buying at an auction, how that works. And I oh. guess if it actually is a good idea or not for a buyer. Yeah. I think auctions are a great idea to buy as a buyer, mate. So you got, look, the simple thing is you've got to be in it to win it. So, you know, and I, and I say to people, you know, um, be at the auction, the auctions, you know, you, you get it, you either, the, the seller's either got a building and pest inspection done prior to the auction, one, two, you either get, you invest in your own building and pest inspection, and then three, you go out and speak to your bank manager or broker to make sure that you've got the finances all ready to go. It doesn't mean that you have to have $800,000 if we're working with that number again, $800,000 in the bank ready yep. to buy. It's just that you've got the funds secured to make the deal happen. Yep. Okay. So, okay. And, and, you know, an auction can be a good opportunity. I've seen properties at auction. And, and truth be told, mate, uh, the property that we bought, we got it for 55000 under what the owner had paid for the property uh, three or four years before. Wow. And, and he had, he was planning on doing, he and she, the, the previous owners of the property we bought, were planning on doing, they had a DA and a BA to adding another story to really capitalize on the city views, um, which was probably another 30, 40, probably 30, 30 odd thousand in, you know, architect, architectural plans yes. and DA and BA plans, if not more. So, you know, and we went to auction and we picked it up for that 50 odd thousand less than what they had paid for it and included the plans on top. Okay. So there's sometimes a good opportunity to, to, uh, to, uh, to get uh, a property. So the ideals out there. Okay. And um, finally, if you could just touch on, if there's anything else you wanted to add um, and if not, if you could sort of just sort of just explain to anybody, if people want to contact you, what the best way is to do that. Uh, look, they can contact me. Uh, my if you go on torresproperty.com.au, that's t o w r e s property with a y.com.au. Uh, all our details are there. My details, my direct number, my direct email, uh, along with my other agents. 
Um, but um, look, I, I would say, look, and, and I guess I don't want to sort of drum on about what we've sort of discussed, but I really would really uh, say to reflect and review what we've sort of discussed here today yep. uh, when buying and selling property. Uh, so you're one, not over committing yourself or two, not over capitalizing as well. Um, so that would be my sort of suggestion in regards to anyone looking at getting into the property market to buy real estate. Yes. And I'll add, add to that, do your research and always weigh up the pros and cons of the Absolutely. property as well. Absolutely. And look, I think it's, it's always good. I've, you know, I get a lot of young couples and, and people that, you know, seek other people's opinion. And that's why I'm saying about having that checklist because you might, you, it might not be right for them. Let's say mum and dad might say, Hey, Michael, this is not the right property for you because it needs this and needs that. And you get influenced. We all do. We all get influenced by people's opinion. And that's why, you know, it might not be right for them, but it might be right for you as the buyer. So that's that's why I'm saying, you know, it's, it's, it's good to get other people's opinion, but make sure that that doesn't influence you if it is the right property for you to buy. Yeah, that's it. Good advice. Very good advice. And uh, finally, this wouldn't be a sharing more than the sheets episode without a dad joke right at the end. Um, <laughs> did you know? Did you know the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? No, I didn't. They, know. Were, they were cooked in Greece. <laughs> that's actually a good one. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, I like that. That's that's actually a good one. Uh, I was expecting so. something very lame, but that was, was pretty good, mate. Yeah, I, thank I, you. Uh, yeah, nice. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on Sharing More Than The Sheets. Please make sure you subscribe to be updated with future episode releases. Please visit us at sharingmorethanthesheets.com.au to submit questions or requests for future podcast topics. These podcasts have been brought to you by Better Financial Planning Australia. To book a 15-minute phone chat, visit betterfinancialplanning.com.au.